Awesome. Hello, friends and family and fellows, brothers and sisters in Christ. But God, that's the title of my message. Before I go any further, I want to just say, I want to acknowledge the most important person in my life. And his name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. Without him, I wouldn't be here today. Without him, I would have been in a mental institute years ago when I felt like I was going crazy. But God, without him, I certainly wouldn't still be married to the most amazing man I know. But God, without him, my three magnificent children wouldn't be in church here today. But God, I would be bitter, angry and disillusioned with life and God himself. But God, without him, I would just be hanging in there by the skin of my teeth, going through the motions of being a Christian, still steeped in performance-based Christianity, worn out, burnt out, and completely overcome. But God, no matter what life throws your way, I want you to remember, but God, no matter what curveballs life throws at you, I want you to remember that he's got it. He truly, truly does. It doesn't matter what you face because God's got it. It could be a diagnosis, an autoimmune disease, depression, cancer. But God, he's got it. It could be a relationship breakdown, a loss of your marriage. But God, he's got it. It could be a kid that you're really worried about. But God, he's got it. This has become my catchphrase. But more than that, it's become a truth that I have become deeply grounded in. It's a statement that reminds me to yield to the power of God in me. It activates faith in my heart, because after all, I've been through a lot of curveballs. God's truly got it, no matter how big or small, because he deeply, unconditionally loves me and cares for me. And he deeply and unconditionally loves you and cares for you because you're his favoured child. Yeah. But God. I don't need that fat ball back at some point. You've got to chuck it at me. Okay. The little that's standing here before you today. Now, uh, hang on. So I now know that the curveballs don't come from God. Life happens. And why it happens the way it happens, that's a sermon for another day. But the way we interpret it makes all the difference. Everyone sees the world from their point of view. My point of view may not be how it is, it's simply how I see it. How I see things is based on my beliefs. My beliefs are what I've accepted as truth. To change the way I see it, I must change my beliefs. When I was a sinner, I looked at the world and interpreted the world like a sinner. Now that I'm a believer, I must change the way I view the world and understand its events. This paradigm shift is what the Bible calls renewing the mind. 
We've all got beliefs that, have, that we've accepted as truth, but when their beliefs not based on the Bible, then it's not truth. But when we continue to accept them as truth, what do they do? They bring pain and problems into our life. This little chicky baby had lots of beliefs and still does that aren't based on truth. And boy, oh boy, did they bring me pain and problems. Lies and core beliefs embedded in your heart are exposed when just the right painful circumstances touch those places indirectly. And who knows, curveballs have a way of touching those places deep inside of us indirectly. And they just kept on coming, those curveballs, and the pain just kept on coming. My point of view or perspective became my reality, but reality was not the truth. I believed in works-based Christianity that told me to keep working harder for God to accept me and bless me. I believe that my sin made me unrighteous, so I worked hard, I mean really hard, at staying out of sin. So I could just feel good about myself, and that so, so that God would feel good about me. Sin consciousness plagued my thoughts to the point that I felt like I was going crazy. The more I focused on sin, the more I sinned. Funny that. But we become what we behold, right? Condemnation was a cloak I wore. Perfectionism was the driving force. So, what did old Lil look like with these beliefs? Who wants to throw the ball at me? <laughs> so, what might you do that? Old Lil would do the curveballs like this. Yes. Trust me, I wouldn't drop it. <laughs> I'd catch that curveball, and and this is what she looked like. I'd grab it, and I'd be freaking out because I was chronically aware of my sin and shortcomings, and I was just as aware of my family's sins and shortcomings. Thank you very much. <laughs> Consciously, I knew I was forgiven, and I knew I was loved. Subconsciously, I actually old Lil acted like she wasn't. Old Lil ran herself ragged trying to fix, change and control everyone in faith <laughs> to prove to herself that she was okay, that God still loved me, that I was acceptable. Old Lil was humiliated and ashamed when she couldn't parent successfully. She lost friends and family members. She became completely isolated. Crazy Lil! <laughs> Completely isolated. If she could just be righteous enough, then maybe God would help her, would step in and do something about these curveballs that were bringing me so much pain. Old Lil would beg God to fix it. She'd constantly criticise and correct herself, her family, because she was dragging her whole family, kicking and screaming on this journey to attain perfection. This is the way old Lil, as a sinner, saw things. Specifically relating to herself and God. Unless she was perfect and acting righteous, she was unacceptable to God and therefore herself. Old Lil was unaware that these driving beliefs were directing the course of her life. Sarah Catch! <laughs> Proverbs 4 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Man! What an important verse. One that I'd known and had no clue how to do. 
And it's for obvious reasons, right? Look how I was living with the beliefs in my heart. The good news is we've all got destructive beliefs. That's the bad news in our heart. The good news is they can be changed. Thank you, Jesus. They can be changed. Now, back to old Lil. I'm betting at this point most of the guys in this room are going, my goodness, thank God I didn't marry her. She's crazy. <laughs> can you imagine living with me? I mean, living with the pressure cooker ready to explode at any moment. It sucks. <laughs> Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe not. But God. Christians came out of the woodwork to offer old Lil their wisdom. One that really stuck was, God's given you this curveball to mature you and make you a better Christian. What? It was comments like this that sent me really causing old Lil to become so disillusioned with God. And there may be many of you here today feeling the same way. But God. It was this bar of perfection that I could just never quite reach. And every time I slipped up and stuffed up and screwed up, old Lil would spiral into condemnation and pity parties. I mean, you should have seen her pity parties. Think of a personality. Quiet, meek little mockflower that I am. The pity party she threw. Old Lil's attempts to be righteous, they had no effect because they were what the Bible calls dead works, which are anything you do out of guilt or fear to appease God, trying to be right with him. They may look and sound spiritual, these acts of righteousness, but they are dead works because the truth is you are already right with God by the blood of Jesus. But God, but God. But the truth is dead works is the experience for most Christians. And I have come to the realise that always as it is as a result of what you're believing specifically what you believe in your heart about God. The turning point for old Lil was when she finally was ready to give up and check herself into the loony bin. I was absolutely emotionally drained and exhausted and I couldn't possibly do the crazy dance any longer. Ah! <laughs> but God, I mean, for goodness sake. It was here that I drew a line in the sand and I threw a challenge out to God. I said to him, no matter what is going on, Lord, I just there's no point in me being a believer any longer because the fact of the matter is I look no different to my non-Christian friends. I was just as stressed, just as worried, and just as crazy as the next girl. Thankfully, I hadn't gotten to the point where I was ready to completely turn my back on God. Hallelujah. But I knew that my walk with God up until this point was ineffective. It was ineffective. So in a final ultimatum, I told God that if he didn't show me how to get the promises of the Bible into the reality of my life, you know, those promises that we of peace and joy and healing, love, those ones that kept mocking me every time I read the word, if I, if I couldn't start experiencing them, I was just going to give up because there was absolutely no point going on. But God, note to all followers of Jesus here, you don't have to wait to breaking point or to the point where you're throwing ultimatums at God. Anytime, starting the day, you can take a look at yourself, check in with him and get real with yourself and with God. 
back on. It wasn't long, praise the Lord, before one way or another, God led me to a Bible study. It was here that the word of God was unpacked for me in a completely different way to what I'd ever heard before, specifically relating to Jesus and the depth and the breadth, breadth of all he'd actually done for me and on the cross. Holy smoke, it was good. Another note at this point, though, is it wasn't as if I hadn't sat in, sat in Bible studies all my life. My goodness, I had sat in Bible studies countless times. I'd been in church all my life, for goodness sakes. I had seat and been a follower of God. He was all I'd known. Of course I knew I was forgiven. Of course I know. And I knew that I was loved. Of course I knew that I was accepted. But did I really? Did I really? But God. This study of the word took me on a journey, and although this journey was uncomfortable, challenging, and downright offensive, whew, it was offensive. When he started challenging me what I really believed, being flexible enough to stay on the journey to explore and consider a different way of seeing God and interpretation of scripture was crucial. I asked God to show me the truth. His version of the truth. Not mine, not the Bible teachers, not the pastors, not my husband's. Yours, God, and yours alone. Your truth. I was ready and willing to lay aside my own point of view on God and who I believed him to be to take on his point of view of who he truly was according to scripture. It was so funny. Everything I learned, I'd bring home and test on Adam. And funnily enough, he was angry and offended on many, many times too. To the point where he encouraged me to stop going because it seemed as though it was causing him more harm than good. But God. You know, even though I'd been a sincere, humble, teachable Christian and a student of the word, I had completely, completely missed the point. Wrong beliefs in here had robbed me from understanding and perceiving at a heart level who I was in Christ and who he really was, which was preventing me from experiencing the promises of God. So hang on. What was this offensive message that I kept hearing? Two things stood out to me. What do you mean God's already done it and given me everything I need in Christ? What? What do you mean? And I've already been given everything in Christ Okay, but why aren't I experiencing it? Hello, where is it? The key here is in Christ. Everything you need from God is in Christ. And Christ is in you. You don't need God to show up and do something. Apart from what he's already done and already given you in Christ. I'm not saying... God just did everything and now he's kicked back, he's got his feet up and he's like, you figure it all out yourself. No, there's a relationship and it's interactive. But there, and there is this aspect of asking, even though we've already received. So it's that paradox, but it all comes together in the knowledge of Christ and Christ crucified, hallelujah. I came to understand that in Christ was a state of being for the believer that was permanent which gave all of us access to all that Christ is and all he has. 
I mean, for example, look at these scriptures. I am complete in him. But I certainly wasn't feeling or acting complete. Oh, that's crazy. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm feeling condemned all the time. I'm a new creation in Christ. What? A new creation? Where is she? I can't see her. I can't feel her. My, my hubby's going, new creation? What the hell? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hello. I don't look real righteous. I keep screwing up. I keep yelling at my kids. Are you guys getting this? Is anyone feeling it here? <laughs> this apparent disparity between experience and God's word had regularly caused me frustration. And it had me concluding that it just couldn't be true. Or I just wasn't righteous enough to experience it. Man, the pressure. The pressure. But to experience these in Christ scriptures that I started studying out like a crazy girl on a mission had to understand the very important teaching on spirit, soul, and body. This was revolutionary for me. This was life-changing. This um, next slide, the spirit, soul, and um, spirit, soul, and body. This is an amazing picture of the way God's designed us. See, when I was looking at my outward person, my emotions, my soul, and my physical part, I couldn't see the reality of these scriptures. But that's because the Bible isn't talking about my soulish and physical parts. It's talking about my born-again spirit. It's talking about your born-again spirit, for those that are saved in this room, that was instantly changed and made perfect at salvation. It was changed to reflect Jesus and all that he is and all that he has. Your spirit has been made one with Jesus. Hence why it's the real you the eternal you, the part of you that will actually pass on into heaven. I had failed to understand that the word of God was a mirror for my spirit. God's word perfectly reflects who you are in your spirit. So all the in Christ scriptures, all those scriptures I just went through are referring to who you are in your spirit right now. And so it's through your spirit that you access and experience the promises of God. This simple but profound, profound truth made all the difference. My belief in God was shaken to the core. You're telling me the way I saw things, my paradigm of Christianity has been warped, has been skewed all my life. But God... This was a revelation to me that radically changed the way I began to interpret the Bible. It significantly changed the way I saw myself. I can't begin to tell you the sheer relief, the relief I felt for the first time as a Christian when my heart got a bigger picture, a glimpse of this bigger picture of what my life could look like if I actually began to believe who I was in my spirit. The pressure was off. God had already done everything for me through Christ. I simply had to believe. Old perfectionistic little man, she was ecstatic to find out one third of her was perfect. Woohoo! You're telling me one third of me's been perfect all this time? Woo! I mean, God, and that God had actually been relating solely based on spirit, Lil? Oh my gosh! You're telling me he doesn't 
Do you get disappointed with me every time I went crazy? He doesn't get disappointed with me every time I yelled at the kids? No. What? No. No. Lil, he looks at you through his spirit eyes in the spiritual realm. He doesn't relate to you externally how the hell you're acting. He relates to you based on your perfection of Jesus in your spirit. It's the best news ever. The best news ever. Hallelujah. I was so grateful. And, you know, again, I knew this intellectually, but I, I didn't know it in my heart because I, I kept thinking he's, he's, he's judging me, he's disappointed in me because of my outward stuff. Oh, my goodness, this is good news. But I want you to realise that revelation is not when God decides to tell us not when God decides to tell you something that he'd not already previously made known to you. Revelation is, I move over here and now I can see it. It's been there the whole time. That's what happened. But if I'd allowed the discomfort and the anger and the offence that was churning me up when I was getting really hit over the head with new truths that I hadn't understood, if I'd let that offence dictate, I wouldn't have gone on this crazy, awesome, magnificent, fantastic journey. And I certainly wouldn't have the awesome relationship with God I've got now. All it was was a simple move over here and with through humility and simple repentance, I changed my mind about my old beliefs and I chose to take on his beliefs and his point of view and his perspective because I really wanted to see God for who he was and I really wanted to like myself and not just like love myself and because I wanted to see myself the way God saw me. So the journey then as believers and followers of Christ is to allow that which God has done on the inside of you to manifest and affect the rest of your being. And this only can happen when you change your beliefs to align with the truth about who God is and who you are according to scripture. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart, your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. The heart was a key that I'd missed. For it's with the heart I had to believe these truths. And it was with my mouth I had to confess. All of this stuff I had believed intellectually. And that's why there was no impact in my walk with God. It's intellectual. It hadn't reached my heart. So let's quickly look at some verses that God has given us on the how-to, or the tools God gives us so that we can actually believe in our heart. Romans 12, 2. It's a really well-known verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice it says you may prove, not God. You may prove the perfect will of God, which is what? For you to experience everything that Christ paid for you to experience. Otherwise, what's the point? 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, casting down imaginations in every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Lil, ha oh, Lil didn't cast down. She's not good enough. She just has to be perfect. I didn't, I didn't tell it to go away and replace it with the truth. Notice these scriptures, and there's a lot more. There's a truckload more. But they are, just go back to the spirit, soul, and body slide for me, Joel, thanks. But if we look at that slide, it's, there's so many verses in the, in the Bible about our thoughts and our thinking because as you can see through this, it's our thoughts that have direct access to our heart. And it's by using the seed of God's word that we plant, we plant the seed of God's word into our heart, the heart's the soil. This is from the parable of the sower. I just couldn't, didn't have time to really open this up for you, but I'm just touching on it. The heart is the gatekeeper that acts as the door between the spirit and the soul. Can you see that the heart sits in between our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and our perfect spirit? Now, when your heart begins to believe the truth, it aligns with the sp your spirit, because it already knows everything of truth, and the heart then becomes the valve from which his promises flow. And they flow out of your spirit into your body, your mind, will, and emotions, and into your circumstances. And man, the experience of this was unbelievable. It has radicalized my life. <laughs> and so with eyes of faith, faith now being, not Lil saying, give it to me, give it to me, God, give it to me, give it to me. I've got to work to, to, get, to get this, to get, to get righteous. God, give it to me. Why aren't you getting it to me? God's going, darling, I've already given it to you. It's already in you. Stop looking. It's here, sweetie. Just believe. Just believe. Oh, poor God. He must have wanted to pull his hair out. <laughs> so faith is not me begging God to give it to me. Faith is my response to what God has already done in me. Ha! Oh, and through me in Christ. So I began to renew my mind. And although I had attempted on many times before to do this, I understood the key now. My heart engaged. But not in attempts to please God any longer. Not in attempts to move God to give me what I wanted. I was doing it to move my heart into a place of believing and receiving. Hallelujah. What a journey. This time I didn't quit when I didn't feel something happening. I didn't get discouraged even when I hadn't experienced fireworks or visiting angels. I forgot about what was going on out here. And I truly began to connect heart to heart with God, knowing by faith that great things were happening on the inside of me, whether I could feel it, see it or not. That was the difference. I'd go and worship God and I'd get nothing. But I'd just say, you love me, you love me, you love me, you accept me. And I didn't expect anything, but I knew by faith that great things were going on. On the inside of me. Takes a while to see it. But God. Now, practically speaking, this was my part. This is what my part in proving out, proving what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? This is the part, this is what it looked like for me. First, I had to make a decision. I'm going to connect with God and his promises in my heart. I didn't want information. I didn't want knowledge per se. I wanted a relationship with God 
that filled my heart and expressed itself in my life. I wanted to look different to my non-Christian neighbour. I made a commitment to first and foremost live my faith by sight. Sorry, live my life by faith and not by sight. Man, that's been a big one. That's been a big one. Living my life by faith, not by sight. And I had to be so intentional and there was a discipline required as my old thoughts, feelings and crazy little emotions would raise their ugly heads. Constantly. My action was I started to speak directly into my heart, scriptures specifically relating to who I was in him and who he was to me. Whatever issues you're going through, find the scriptures specifically relating to the issue because he covers everything. The word of God covers every situation we could possibly ever be in. Hallelujah. Find the scripture and start putting it inside your heart and it will change your life. My scripture was 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew, knew no sin to be sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I might become the righteousness of God. Man, that meant nothing to me when I started on this journey. But it, I'm telling you, it became my go-to verse. And I mean go-to, I did. I decided I would stand in the mirror, regardless of how silly I felt, look myself in the eye, and talk to my heart. And I would tell my heart, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am deeply loved by my heavenly Father because I'm in him and he's in me. He accepts me and loves me just the way I am. Even when I stuff up, I am complete in him. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I did it over and over, dozens and dozens of times a day. In the mirror if I was at home. In the car. At work when I'd catch a break. It didn't matter where I was. I did this. I was like a girl on a mission. And I did it especially when I made the mistakes. Because I was going, oh, oh, I'm such a loser. <laughs> so I had to go into that mirror and say, you've got this. God loves you and you're awesome in Christ. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was hard. Because I didn't feel like doing it. And I certainly wasn't believing it or experiencing it. But God. And as my heart, though, began to align with these truths in God's word, oh, the power of God that manifested. It looked like these ways. And it wasn't because of my effort at renewing my mind. It wasn't anything I was doing. It was his power in here outworking itself in me. Essentially, it's the grace of God which is his enabling power, his divine influence on my heart. And it's always flowing and working on your behalf, people. Always. God showed me that his grace and power ride like waves on the beach that never stop flowing. And neither does his grace inside of each and every one of us ever stop flowing. Amen. It was awesome, this picture. The waves represented his grace and the current that was moving the waves is the power of the Holy Spirit moving my heart into a place to believe. Man, I was a girl on a mission. And this, this picture really helped. Jesus showed me that I was co-laboring with his spirit, which the Bible calls laboring unto the rest. And as I did my part, sowing that word into my heart, connecting to the truth of who I was in Christ, in my heart, he did his part. Inner transformative work. By his grace, causing the reality in my spirit 
to begin to manifest in my emotions. It was in my feelings and emotions that I began to experience the changes first. Now I'm standing in the mirror, looking myself in the eye, speaking to my heart and seeing his grace and power flowing effortlessly through me as waves on a beach. He showed me other pictures and images to, to help me to connect my heart to the confession of my faith. I saw a wall. It was a huge wall, a brick wall. And he said, that's the strongholds in your heart. And they've been built there for over decades. I've been having these thinking patterns since I was a little girl. And so the wall was strong and it was high. And he showed me that every time I would go into the thinking patterns of old Lil, I'm a worm, I'm a loser, I'm stupid. Every time I did that, I added to the wall. But hallelujah, every time I spoke the truth into my heart now, in place of the lie, I smashed another brick off that wall. He's, and you know what, the, what the, the key was? God showed me that the word of God was a hammer. And that every time I spoke the truth, the hammer smashed at that wall, at that stronghold inside of my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, it was so good. So now I'm standing in the mirror, looking myself in the eye, speaking to my heart, seeing his grace and power effortlessly flowing through me as waves on the beach and seeing the hammer of God's word smashing down the bricks in my heart. But God. Romans 5.17 For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What happens when we receive those two amazing things? We reign in life. Oh my gosh, I hadn't received the gift of righteousness. I was trying to do it and act it. Oh, hallelujah. I kept receiving the abundance of grace, those waves. I kept bettering them. And I too was receiving the gift of righteousness because I continued to tell myself I was righteous in Christ. My heart was getting persuaded. The manifestation of righteousness began to flow out of my heart into my physical being. My kids, my family, they were the first ones to notice. Mum, you're just not the crazy angry mum you used to be. Jesus showed me that he had given me his own personal robe of righteousness. He showed me that at the cross, he exchanged my unrighteousness for his righteousness. And he showed me that he'd put it on my shoulders. He'd actually put it on me himself personally the day I got saved. And it was in my spirit. And it felt so lovely and warm and cosy and, and so safe and so awesome. And nothing, nothing could take the robe of righteousness off me. But initially when I fell back into old habit patterns and of condemnation, I actually believed that the robe came off me. I believed that I had caused it to fall off because I'd sinned, I'd stuffed up. But God showed me that this had been another heart belief that was being smashed down. Nothing in all the world I could do, nothing in all the world you can do will remove the robe righteousness. If 
you need to wear proud every single day because it's the most amazing gift God's given us and everything flows out of it. So I, I didn't get this robe because I earned it or deserved it and I can't lose the robe because of lack of earning or deserving. It's great news. Hallelujah. Now I'm standing in the mirror looking myself in the eye, speaking in my heart, seeing his grace and power flow effortlessly through me like the waves on the beach, seeing the hammer of God smashing down the bricks in my heart and connecting my mind and my heart, this robe of righteousness, the very own robe of Jesus' righteousness that I wore permanently. I want you to take a quick note here. My circumstances haven't changed. The curveballs were still coming thick and fast. I mean major curveballs. We were think we were getting creative by having to send children over to the US and finding money. Every, you know, it, it was incredible. Nothing changed. But the journey that I was on was changing me from the inside out. The curveballs kept coming along with all the negative habitual emotions. I need that all when you're ready. Thoughts or actions? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, as they kept going, all the negative stuff was still there, but slowly my feelings and emotions, they started to become consistent with the truth. The process of renewing my mind was actually taking effect and it was becoming easier. And I came to realise that if I ran in the mirror immediately, or no mirror, at this point it didn't matter about the mirror, and if I spoke into my heart the moment I stuffed up or the moment the curveball came, guess what God showed me? That I was instantly aligning with him and his grace and his power. So when I did that, the fear, the doubt, it would go. It would just disappear. The peace would come. But when I, when I fell back into fear and into condemnation, it always led me back to those dead works. God showed me that I would block the flow of his grace in that moment. So when I stuffed up, it didn't matter. I just knew I had, couldn't, couldn't condemn myself because we're going to stuff up a thousand times. But when I stuffed up and I'd fall back into condemnation, what it did show me was the waves of the beach, that grace, it did get blocked. Now, do the waves of the beach ever stop? No. Does the grace of God ever stop? No. It was my unbelief and my doubt that was blocking the flow of the grace at that point. But the awesome thing is, the moment I recognised it, that I'd step back into my own strength, I just said, oh, no, I put my mind back on you, Jesus. I start to behold you and all I am in Christ. And instantly, the peace came. Instantly. The peace became instant. Initially, it took hours. Okay. Mark, just... Throw the, so I'm just going to show you now what the curveball looks like. This is the process. So the curveballs kept coming, but now this is what it looked like. Oh, I can't catch it. Okay, caught it. I caught it. Oh my gosh, I'm so terrified. What am I going to do with this situation I've got? I'd catch the ball. I don't know. I had plenty, but you know, the kids. One of the kids had a fight at school. Oh. I'm engaged with the emotions that this curveball instilled in me. Oh my gosh, I'm panicking. I'm sick of teachers telling me that my kid's so naughty. I'm sick of teachers telling me that I'm just such a failure. But then sometime later, I would remember, but God, I let go of the ball and I gave it to him. And then the peace would come. Slowly, everything began to make more and more sense. 
things inside of me began to change and the overwhelming gratefulness, the overwhelming gratefulness that I felt toward God rushed up out of my heart. I fell in love with him all over again as the tremendous burden of self-righteousness began to lift. I began to experience God on a heart level in a real and intimate way as my fear of not being good enough began to dissipate. My motivation to spend time with him wasn't driven any longer by works righteousness, trying to please him, but it was driven by a keen sense of wanting to know and experience him personally and experience him I did. Righteousness manifested as my heart became more and more persuaded. Okay, so I've got to the curveball, I catch it, I hold it, and then I remember about God. Okay, can I, I can't get it to you, Jen, you're too far away, maybe Isaac. Okay. Hang, hang 10, hang 10. <laughs> um, okay, I'm ready to catch that curve. Okay. <laughs> curve force kept coming. Right. This time, I catch it. But God. But God. I catch it, but the fear and the freak out and the old little pattern uh, just disappeared because I went because I, I was so hard. God's got this. He loves you, Lil. He loves you. You're righteous. Doesn't matter. You made a mistake. It's okay, Lil. So as I went on this amazing journey, and please note, it's a journey I'm still on, and I'll be on forever. The Word of God became that logos. Is that how I say it, Mark? Logos. Logos. The Word of God became that logos, the living, breathing Word. I gave the written word the opportunity to become the living word for me. The living word nobody can take away from you. The living word changed my life. The living word gave me solutions when I was confused. It brought healing when I was sick. It brought peace when I was scared. It brought an experience of the fullness of God's love for me personally for three amazing, blissful months, I experienced the depth, the breadth, the length and height of his love for me for the first time ever in my years of being a Christian. I felt fearless. I felt invincible because 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. All the promises of God, of Christ, paid for. I kept on the journey long enough for the experience of the word to take root and start to flow. And look, I tell you, when those three months were over, it was really hard because I was back into reality of not expecting anything to happen externally. But he wanted to give me this magnificent taste of love. And I knew that I knew in those three months I was so loved and that my, I was incredibly awesome in Christ, that I was righteous because of him. What an incredible place I was at. And now, I now know that curveballs don't come from God. I also know that they will come, but they cannot harm me. After all, I am in Christ and Christ is in me and everything I will ever need is already mine in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gives us the victory through 
our Lord Jesus Christ. I have my tools that remind me of him, what he's done and who I am. My catchphrase, but God, it takes me to the mirror. It takes it to my heart. Come on heart, God's got it. It takes me to the waves of his grace and being conscious of letting them flow. It takes me to the hammer of his word that's smashing the walls in my heart into pieces. It takes me to Christ's robe of righteousness that I wear permanently. They all take me to my heart that says, yes, I believe. Because God has indeed done it. Amen. And now the curveball. Now, this is not every time. But sometimes now, yeah, do you want to chuck it to me? Sometimes now, this is what the curveball looks like for me. I don't catch it at all. I don't catch it at all. I had to go for a brain scan the other day. Mm. <laughs> the crazy little thing. I thought I'd better throw this one in. It's a good one. They were actually checking if I had a brain. And actually, weirdly enough, the doctors told me I didn't. She was being so cheeky and laughed her head off. <laughs> but this brain scan I had to go for, old little, I would have been in conuptions. I would have been freaking. I would have been thinking, brain tumour, brain tumour. And I did. I did. But I didn't. I know now how not to let that take root. As quick as those thoughts come, I go, nah, 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 nah. But God, he's gone. And so I went for the brain scan in peace, which I could never have done at one point, knowing that I was going to get a good report because in Christ I have all things pertaining to life and godliness. Because in Christ I am victorious. And then the doctor rings the next day and she says, all good, all good, Lil. But yeah, missing brain, missing brain. She's Iranian. You know, you got missing, and I and laughed her head off, and I went, thank you, God. But God. <laughs> and so I don't do that every time. You know, there are curveballs, and sometimes I'll grab them, and I'll, I'll, go with the I'll go with all the negative emotion that they can bring. But I've realised that when that stuff, when you stuff up, or when something happens, or, or you know, someone in your family does something, I know that if I can just immediately say, but God, you've got it. The fear doesn't get to take root in there anymore. I just go, you've got this, God. And I really, truly believe it now. I really, truly believe it. You know, one of the, another example was one of our beautiful kids was over in America for a few years and it was a process and it was a, I, I was feeling God tell me that it was that it was getting close to bringing him home. Old Lil would have been freaking out. Old Lil, oh, what's he going to do? And old Lil would have wanted to plan every little bit. And I just said, okay, God, and, and this, and, and I just figured, okay, and I felt him saying, as the new year, the, as 2020 rolled around, 2020 rolled around, and I'm thinking, he said, it's going to be this year. It's going to be this year. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, yeah, mid-year, mid-2020. But January 2020 has arrived and I'm feeling this urgency. Actually, it's time. It's getting time to bring your beautiful boy home. And like I said, once I would have just been a flap. Once I would have been on a heat God because I was in such a flap. And all of a sudden, I just said to honey, Adam, darling, we need to prepare and get this boy. This is fantastic. This is exciting. 
Our family's going to be whole again. We're going to be all in the same house together again. And then I heard him say, go. Now, once upon a time, I would have analysed it, I would have doubted it. Oh, gee, is that you, God? Are you sure that's you? But no, we went, and we went instantly. And the awesome thing is, we picked him up. We had two amazing weeks in America with Izzy, enjoying ourselves, holidaying. And you know, we got home, and a week later, the borders shut. COVID was everywhere. The, board, the Lord rescued my boy. The Lord knew I wasn't going to be able to get over there. And the Lord knew that what was going to happen in the place that he was, was pretty ugly. Amen. <laughs> and God loves Isaac that much. He said, I'm not letting my boy go through being stuck in a foreign country with a foreign crazy disease going around where every staff member and every kid got it. And they didn't get to see their parents for a long, long time, for over a year. And, you know, we might have been able to get special consideration, but, but God, I didn't have to go through all that crap. I just went, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to come of it. I didn't know what he was going to do. But, God. So, the take-home message. I don't want this just to be a sermon. You go home, you forget about it. But instead, I want you to set a course for your heart this year. I want you to go on a heart journey this year. And I want you to do it with intentionality. I want you to be intentional. And I'm not trying to give you my plan. I'm just suggesting that you open up your heart more to be receptive to faith. Faith being how you live your life. See, every time the curveballs came, yeah, I think I got my point across. I just freaked out because I was looking at, at the external by sight. But now they come, I'm looking with faith that it's going to be okay because I've got an almighty God who I can trust to get me through this. That's meant the world to me now, that I'm in a place where I'm not rocked. I'm not that wave tossed to and fro. I'm more stable because I have gone on the journey of persuading my heart that he's got it, that he loves me, that he cares, and that I really, truly can trust him. So this faith of looking at God, looking at the promises that he's made, the purposes that he's revealed to you, and believing that those things will come without backing down. But living in the truth always that it's already done. Everything you ever need is already yours. So rest in him. As you tell your heart, but God, He's got it. That's it. Thank you.